And this is what he wrote. He said, the memory is fading, even as the myth grows. And it's fading precisely because we've got the world our parents dreamed of. His point is that because we live in a land of relative peace and prosperity, we can forget about the achievements of those who've come before us, those who've fought to preserve something of what we can actually take for granted. And it's true, isn't it, that people can forget about the original reason why today's called Good Friday and instead be overwhelmed with so many leisure time activities that are available to us on this public holiday. People can have a fading memory, but today's a day when we do observe the day because we need to remember what we've just read from Mark's Gospel. Namely, that Jesus laid down his life on a cross before rising again on Resurrection Sunday. But why was that death a good thing? Was it good just because we've got an example of profound love, the profound love of a son for his father? A love which took Jesus to cry out in the Garden of Gethsemane, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you will. This uh, example of love is picked up also in a song I think we'll sing later in this service, When I Surveyed the Wondrous Cross. This is what it says in verse 3. See, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, all thorns compose so rich a crown. Well, Good Friday certainly shows us an example of love. It's both the love of the Father to send his Son to die and the love of the Son to willingly lay down his life. But was that example the only reason why this Good Friday is a good one? I want to suggest that if Jesus died only as an example of love and nothing more than that, then this exercise was somewhat pointless. I'd like to illustrate that point with a story uh, that comes from my earlier years of life. Uh, actually, it's from my wife's life. She told me about a time when she went to a camp called Teen Ranch. And I have a friend who uh, has an uncle that used to run the place. The guy's name was Leighton. Leighton was um, a good salt of the earth Aussie character. He used to... Uh, People would perform tricks of jumping over things and Leighton would always do one better. And He's very, uh, a really nice guy. He ran this camp, a Christian youth camp called Teen Ranch and he was responsible for the place. Apparently there was a situation where there was a river nearby and some kids were told not to take their canoes out into the river because it was in flood. Kids being kids took the canoes out anyway. And of course they got into trouble. And Leighton was a good character. He went in to save the kids. But it was at the cost of his own life and much to the sorrow of his wife who remained and two little girls or his two little kids. Leighton lost his life and it was a great example of love in action. But his death also actually accomplished something. 
It accomplished the saving of the little kid, of the kids in the canoes. But supposing Leighton uh, got to the river that was swollen, he'd found the kids in the canoes had been washed up onto a bank, a sandbank, uh, and that they were then safe and sound, ready climbing out to walk up on shore. Can you imagine that Leighton would then just dive in anyway and drown himself as an act of love? Well, we think that was simply a great action of love, a great profound act of kindness, or we think that's just simply a waste of a life, foolhardiness. You see, unless the death of Jesus Christ actually accomplishes something too, it also would have been a senseless act. Unless the death of Jesus Christ actually does something, it's not so much a demonstration of love, uh, so much as a waste of a life. But the Bible tells us that the death of Jesus wasn't a pointless act at all. It's something that really did accomplish something for each one of us. His death wasn't only an example of love. It was that. It was an example of love, but it wasn't only that. And we can rightly look to what Jesus has done and marvel at it with awe. We can survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died and we can appreciate his love for us in laying down his life. But the Bible teaches us that today is Good Friday because Jesus' death accomplishes something for us. This is what the writer to the Hebrews penned to help us to understand what Jesus has accomplished. He said, Jesus appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. That's what we read about in Mark's Gospel. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. When Jesus lay there on the cross and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was offering himself as a sacrifice to bear the sins of many. The Bible teaches us that Jesus bore my sins and that he bore your sins. We're reminded from the Bible that everybody sins, that there are no heroes out there. There are no perfect people who don't have any sin. We all fall short of God's glory. According to the Bible, it comes naturally to us to be people who want to go it alone without God. And our hearts show that too. Our hearts betray us. Jesus teaches us that the things that come out of our hearts are the things that make us unacceptable to God. This is what he says about us, our hearts. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. 
All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. He's saying these things come out of our hearts and they make us unacceptable to God. And so as we begin to contemplate who we are before a holy God, as we contemplate on this Good Friday, our hearts, that we're rebels before God and that we've failed to love God as we should and to live his way, we begin to start to see why Good Friday is actually a good day for us. It's good because it was a real accomplishment of Jesus to bear those sins that we all have. By bearing our sin, Jesus took upon himself God's holy and righteous anger against our sin, against us for being people who would rebel against our creator and think of ourselves as little kings and queens instead. Now, it's commonplace for people to scoff against the notion that God would be the judge of his world, that God would judge people for what they've done. Listen to um, a quote from Iron Man Tony Abbott, Port Macquarie Iron Man Tony Abbott. This is what he said in a recent book of his called Battle Lines. He's speaking about the Jesuit tradition that he came from. Speaking of the Jesuits, he says, they seem to have worked out that fire and brimstone was more likely to cut people off from the church than frighten them into better behaviour. Well, I must say that our church doesn't have the job of frightening people and we're not into uh, being on our best behaviour for God either, as if uh, we could behave on our best behaviour and that would somehow be good enough for God and deal with the things that we've done wrong. It wouldn't do the trick. On the contrary, we have the responsibility to teach and preach the truth and to rightly handle the word of truth because God calls us to. God calls us to hold on to the truth that he's revealed and he knows that this is the truth that people need to hear. And God gives it to us in black and white in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says that man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. It's not simply a matter of uh, trying to frighten people into good behaviour. This is simply a truth about God that we cannot avoid. Even when speaking about the economy, uh, people appreciate hearing the truth, don't they? They might not always like it, but they appreciate getting the truth. When talking about the economy, our politicians accept that people need to know the truth. This is what Paul Keating said on that score a few years ago, back in 1986, when he gave his famous Banana Republic speech. We must let Australians know, truthfully, honestly, earnestly, just what sort of international hole Australia is in. And if adjustment was not made, Keating warned, then Australia is basically done for. We'll just end up becoming a third-rate economy, a banana republic. Well, how much more when speaking about the things of God do people need to know, truthfully, 
honestly, earnestly, just what kind of hole they're in before a holy God. And that if adjustment isn't made, whereby people turn back to God and put their trust in Jesus, the Saviour and the sin-bearer of the whole world, then we're basically done for as well. Because we'll end up facing the God, the living true God, who is the judge over all the earth, and we'll face him without a saviour. That's the kind of hole that we're in, that the people of Australia are in, that everybody's in, apart from Good Friday. Good Friday is good. It's good to have a day off. And if you can have a great day off, that's fantastic. If you can go and catch some fish and pull them in, cook them and enjoy them and have a great time with friends and family and stuff yourself until you perhaps even can't even another, eat another prawn, well, that's a good day. But as good as those things are, the Bible reminds us that Good Friday is good because Jesus willingly bore our sin on the cross and that he was raised on the third day. And we have a promise from the scriptures that tells us that he will appear again a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's why Good Friday is good. We have hope of salvation that's found in Christ. But the natural question, the natural question rather, for me to raise this morning, is today a Good Friday for you? In order to enjoy the forgiveness that we have in Christ, we've actually put it, got to put our trust in him. And the question is, have you made that adjustment? Have you turned back to God and put your trust in the Saviour that he's provided? If you have, you'll probably have a doubly good day. You can not only enjoy the day off, but you can enjoy the assurance that you're right with God through the work of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this will be a very meaningful and a very wonderful Good Friday. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Lord God, we do give you thanks for being a, a good, holy and righteous God. A God who has loved us so much that he sent his only son into the world to die for our sins. Lord God, we give you thanks for your son, our Lord Jesus, who willingly laid down his life for us, for people who do find it comes naturally to go astray from you, to put our trust in our own strength, to enjoy being independent, for being rebels who show by our heart and our actions that uh, we are sinners. Lord God, we give you thanks for your wisdom and your majesty in bringing about some plans in Christ for our forgiveness. Father, we give you thanks that Jesus was forsaken, that he willingly bore our sins, uh, that we can enjoy the fact that he died in our place so that we don't need to face your wrath, your righteous wrath. Father, we give you thanks for this news this morning, that it's, a, it's good for us to be warned that your judgment is coming, but that we have a good day today because you've provided a saviour. Father, help us to be grateful for that, not to lose sight of it, not to have a fading memory of it, uh, but to enjoy Good Friday 
because you've been good to us. We thank you for these things and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.